Awesome. I love the Christmas season. It's so good to see everybody here this morning. We are glad that you are here, and we have a special morning this morning. We, well, first of all, I missed the notice on wearing jammies. We could have worn our jammies this morning. The kids are going to do their Christmas program. They're all decked out in their Christmas pajamas, and that's awesome. So we're excited that they're going to be here and doing and telling us about Jesus, right, guys? 
Yeah, we're, they're going to tell us about Jesus, so we're excited about that. And um, I just wanted to open us up in prayer this morning and welcome you here and just remind you of a couple things. This Wednesday, we have prayer night. Yesterday, we had the uh, women's tea, and it was wonderful. We had a great turnout, wonderful visiting time, and it was just really special. So um, it was fun to fellowship together in this Christmas season because we've missed it with COVID. It feels a little bit like normal, right? So we were excited about that. And just to go back to Wednesday night on prayer night, if you guys have any prayer requests that you need, there's prayer cards on the tables by the doors. Please fill them out, put them in the offering plate or give them to me, and we will make sure they're prayed over. We really want to make sure they're prayed over. And please report praise reports as well. We love hearing what God's doing. So um, we want to make sure we're taking all of that to the throne and that we're also praising him for what he's doing too. So... Other than that, let's begin the service by praying and asking the Holy Spirit to be here because it's about him, right? So, Lord Jesus, we welcome you here this morning. Good morning to you, Lord. We know that you are sitting here waiting for our arrival. And, Father, I pray that our hearts are settled. I pray that as we continue through this service that you are moving in us because that's where you do your best work. Lord, I pray that you will soften our hearts. I pray, Lord, that we will be attentive, that we will be alert, and I pray, Jesus, that we will be anticipating what it is that your Spirit wants to do. Lord, we ask your Holy Spirit to be here this morning. We want you to descend on this place even more than you already have. Father, we want to feel you walking up and down the aisles. We know that you're sitting here with us. We know that you've already dusted off the chair that we're sitting in and that you have prepared a special, special message just for each of us individually. And Lord, we really want to receive that. So would you help us with distractions? Help us to pay attention to what it is that you're saying to us. And Lord, I pray that we will respond to you and that we will act on what it is that you're calling us to do this week. Lord, don't let us leave here the same. We need to be changed, and we want you to be the one that does it. So, Lord, I pray that you will just take over from here on out. Be with these little ones as they deliver your message through song and through their skit. And, Lord, I just pray that you will grow in their hearts and in their lives. Jesus, I pray that these will be great men and women as they grow up in you, that you will call them by name. And, Lord, they will hear your call and that they will answer it and they will be on fire for you. So, Lord, be with them. Be with us through the service as we worship you. I pray that you will be pleased. And I pray, Lord, that we will just enjoy your presence. We love you. And all God's people said, amen. All right, well, welcome, everybody. We're excited that you're here, our awesome kids. Can you guys wave to everybody? You want to wave? They've been performing and practicing and getting ready to give you a little something extra special today. So we hope that you enjoy it. And our kids are going to come up and deck the halls and trim the tree. So here we go.
I'm so excited for Christmas to come. One of my favorite things about Christmas is, ma is making cookies for our neighbors. Oh, I love Christmas too. It is, it is fun to go caroling. And I and see the smiles on people's faces as we share the spirit of Christmas as Jesus' birth. Yeah, but sometimes all the craziness of Christmas gone here, going there, shopping here, shopping there. It can make a person tired and just want to stay home. Well, I can see what you are saying, but when we get to have a night together and decorating the tree, drinking hot cocoa and playing Christmas music, and thinking about those, our Christmas as a family, I think it can help make those crazy times not so bad. I agree, so let's get started on decorating this tree. It definitely needs some help. <laughs> I'm ready. This decorations box has a lot of stuff in it. Where should we start? Let me see. Wow, I know. Let's start with the candy canes. Did you know that a candy cane means something really neat about Jesus? Oh, yes. The candy cane is very hard. The big, it reminds us how Jesus is our solid rock. The big stripe reminds us of how Jesus took a beating for us. The three stripes also remind us of the beatings Jesus took for us. By his beatings, we are forgiven. White shows us the smiles of Jesus. Jesus never sinned. The candy cane is also shaped like the hook that the shepherds used to save the lost lamb. Jesus reaches down to save us when we go astray. And look. If you turn it upside down, it is the letter J. J is for Jesus and J is for joy.
so much fun. We still have a lot of decorations to go. We're going to trim this Christmas tree and as we do you're going to see it points the way to God above and tells of Jesus and his love. The bells rang out a message of a manger filled with hay. God's son, baby Jesus, was born on Christmas Day. The angels' happy voices sing of good. With you on earth, they told the shepherds in the field, at the dear Savior birth. God placed a bright and shining star to guide the wise men on their day. On their way to across the deserts and over the hills to find where Jesus laid.
Bob. The tree looks beautiful, and it really wasn't that much work, was it? I guess not. It does look good. Wait, there's still something in the the decorations box. It's a baby doll. At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea. David's ancient home, he traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news, and that will bring joy to all people. The Savior, yes, Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined with a vast host of others, with armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory, glory in the highest heaven, and peace on earth, those with him who God is pleased. Oh, I see. This baby doll represents Jesus. He is no decoration. He is the reason that we decorate and celebrate the reason for the season.
You guys did great. Yeah, give them a hand. How are you doing? Good to see you guys. I'm telling you, you were ringing those bells hard, weren't you? You were working at it great. You did a wonderful job. You may have noticed that over here beside the platform, there are five candles set up there. They're part of what is normally thought of as an Advent wreath. And is this little thing we do at Christmas that started about 600 years ago, where every Sunday before Christmas for four weeks, we light one of those candles. And each of those candles has a specific meaning. Last week, we lit a candle that meant that it was about the candle of hope. And each candle tells us a story as we anticipate the coming of Christ. And each candle tells us a little bit about what Jesus was all about. Last Sunday, the candle was the candle of hope. And Amber's going to light our candle of hope and the new candle today, which is the candle of faith, which reminds us to keep our heart and our mind focused on Jesus. So every Sunday until Christmas, you'll see another one of those candles lit. And then on Christmas Eve, normally, we light the fifth candle, which is known as the Christ candle. So there we have, what's the first candle? Hope. And the one we just lit today? Faith. Faith, exactly right. You're doing great. Could I pray for you now? Heavenly Father, thank you for these children, for who they are, for the joy that they bring to this place, for the anticipation and the eager wonder that we see in their faces. I pray, Father, that you'll be near them and bless them and protect them and keep them in your favor as we give you thanks in Jesus' name for the candle of faith today. Amen. Amen. You can go to Children's Church today. You ready? Let's go. All right, Miss Lori. Are you ready to go? I'm ready to go. Okay. Yeah. Here we come. There we are. They did a great job, didn't they? They did very well. So much fun to see them up there. I told them right before they went up, the best thing in the world, one of the best things you can do is tell people about Jesus. And they're learning early. It's awesome. So we're going to spend some time worshiping ourselves. So if you guys would stand, we're going to worship. And then at the end of that, we will do offering. And then we're going to soak up some of our own time with Jesus as well. Make sure I got everybody back here. Why don't you guys turn and say good morning to each other while my, my band members are setting up here. Say good morning and Merry Christmas.
that night when the first angel appeared? I think I would have lost it with the first angel. But then another one came, and then the sky was filled with them, right? Full. Celebrating Jesus. Do we get that excited now? Can you imagine what it was like that night when it was completely lit up? There were no street lights then, so they had the stars in the skies. But can you imagine when the glory of heaven came down and just filled that place? And guess who got to see it first? The shepherds. The lowest of the lowest is who God told first. How awesome is that? He cares for each and every one of us, every hair on our head, and he goes after the one that is the lowest first. He chases the one, right? He chases the one. I was a one. Were you a one? I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. But how exciting to think back. My mind transports back to them. And I just imagine, wow, Lord, what was it like when you showed up and they didn't expect it? It's going to happen again. He's coming back again. And he's going to show up when we least expect it. So being ready is huge. We have to be ready for him. How are we ready? By preparing our hearts, right? So getting our hearts all ready for him. I'm excited for that. Are you? Yeah? Are you really excited? Or just a little excited. I'm really excited. Like, I have my suitcase packed. I'm ready. <laughs> well, I'm anticipating him. He's going to do amazing things before we get there. So I'm waiting for that to start and continue because he's been doing it through the ages.
We are excited for your return, Jesus. Thank you for showing us how you did it already, coming as a little baby. Something that was completely unexpected. Lord, I know it will be that way again. So help us prepare our hearts, Jesus. I pray for anyone that's under the sound of my voice that doesn't know you, Jesus. Oh, Holy Spirit, hold their hearts in your hand and let them know you're real. Let them know you love them and that they need you. This isn't just Christmas. This is our King of Kings, Lord of Lords. We need you, Jesus, just as much, if not more, as when you first came. Lord, I'm grateful for you. even more, Lord, that you were to come in this morning. Come in now. Prepare our hearts. Till that soil in our hearts, that hardened clay that's in there. Lord, it needs to be broken up. Break up that clay in our hearts, Jesus, so that your seeds can come in and start taking root. You're way more than just a church service. You're way more than a song. You're way more than a really good guy. You are our precious Savior. And we need you. And we want you here. We want you to feel welcome. And we want you to move in us. Because you're the only thing that can change us. You're the only one that can save us. Help us to realize that even more today, Jesus. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name. You guys may be seated. We're going to take offering now if the ushers could come forward. I'll just pray over it. Thanks, you guys. Sure love our youth. They're special, and God's going to do some pretty amazing things with these. These four that you see right in front of you, and there's more. There's hidden ones. They're like elves. They're great. And we are really thankful that they're here. So let me pray over the offering. Lord Jesus, thank you for giving to us. You gave us the ultimate gift. So this is just a little way for us to give back to you. I'm excited to see what you'll do with it, Lord. Because you multiply things and you make it great. So Lord, take these offerings. I pray they're given with joy and with expectancy. Lord, I pray that you will go out into the world with it. We love you, Jesus. Just bless it in your name. Amen. I'm going to have to put some of these youth on staff because they're doing everything today. Lighting candles and singing with the children and taking the offering, receiving the offering. We don't take it from you. We receive it from you. And we're grateful that you give it. So very much so. It has been an interesting day around the church today. 
It's one of those days, and it happens every year during the Advent season, that there's at least one Sunday when it seems like there's so much going on. And so many pieces moving. And you're working to try to make them all work well together. And so we have children here, and they're ringing bells, and we're having the time of our life watching them. And then preachers stand up and tell us something now. I was sitting over there as these kids were ringing those bells, and I'm not kidding you, my wife leaned over to me and said, you better have something pretty good today. <laughs> Time will tell. Somebody asks me occasionally, did you preach, this? Did you preach last Sunday? Did, did, are you going to preach today? And I usually respond by saying, I never know till after I'm done if it was a sermon or if I just wasted your time. If you have a Bible and want to open it to Isaiah 55, I'm going to take you down a little different track today as we think about Advent and faith and Christmas. Isaiah chapter 55, I'll be emphasizing two verses today, verse 2 and verse 6. I have often heard the phrase, as I'm sure you have, they settled for good at the expense of the best. They settled for the good at the expense of the best. And I'm reminded of that phrase and of Isaiah 55 too, when I read the story of Bertil Thorvaldsen, a name you have probably never heard. He was one of the greatest sculptors of an era ago. He lived from 1770 to 1844, and I can tell that has already captured your attention. Talk to us about some old fossil somewhere. But this Danish artist carved from white marble some of the most beautiful statues of Jesus, replicas of one such piece called Christus are all over the world. And the original of that piece is in Copenhagen, and it's said to be priceless. But there is a legend about this artist that says that one winter, the Prince of Denmark invited the artist to be his guest at the Winter Palace for the season. And Thorvaldsen accepted the offer as long as he could bring his work with him. The piece of marble that he had been working on because he felt like he couldn't afford to waste his time being away from his work because his mind was filled with so many other things that he wanted to, to create. And so he asked the prince if he could take that with him. And the prince said, not only may you bring it with you, but I will send for it and I will have it delivered for you. And when I read the story, I thought, what? how do you deliver a large piece of Marble in 17-whatever-it-was. I guess some kind of an ox cart. They get it up on there and they drag it across the countryside. So the prince set up a studio for him in the Winter Palace. And the story says that Thorvaldsen worked every day and often even into the night. And when I read that, I thought, man, can you imagine what those palaces looked like, those castles back in the day? They were all made out of stone. And I'm thinking this sculptor is working into the night 
So there's a prince and a family somewhere else in that building, and I'm wondering how they appreciate hearing a mallet and a chisel going long after dark. They can hear it ringing there somewhere. One morning at breakfast, the artist and the prince looked out through the large picture windows and they saw children making a snowman just there beside the palace. They had borrowed the prince's cutaway coat, his long coat, his tall silk hat, his cane, his pipe, his glasses. And everything was going great as they were building this snowman until they decided they were not going to go the old-fashioned way of two pieces of coal and a carrot. They wanted to carve the prince's face on that snowman. But they were having such a difficult time that they finally gave up. At which time, the prince looking out the window turned to the artist and said, uh, don't you want to go out and help them? You are the master sculptor of the world. And this great artist was a perfectionist. So he put on his boots and his heavy coat and he went out to make that snowman's face. When he did, he asked the prince if he would stand close to the window so that he could see him. And he packed the snow that would be the head of that snowman as hard as he possibly could until it really, literally became just a ball of ice. And then he took some of his tools and he began to carefully carve out as he would look to the window and back to his work the perfect likeness of the prince. And it took him three hours. Later that afternoon, he caught cold and went to bed. Now as the sun set that night, everything froze. But when the morning sun came out, bright, soon the delicate features of that chisel face began to blur. And the next day, when the weather turned warmer, the, the, the snowman began to melt and drooped and the likeness was entirely destroyed. And it was as Shakespeare wrote, love's labor lost. But the greatest loss was that the great artist, that cold, moved into pneumonia. And he lingered five weeks in bed with pneumonia. No penicillin, no vaccine. And he was gone. And the critics of the art world said of him, the catastrophe of the century in the art world, the disaster of the age, is that Thorvaldsen died before he finished what no doubt would have been his masterpiece. And that's when I'm reminded of the words of Isaiah. Why spend money on what is not bread? And your labor on what does not satisfy. Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. Or you turn to the New Testament and you hear the words of Felix as the Apostle Paul had been speaking to him and trying to convince him to receive Christ into his life, to become a convert. And Felix said, well, when I find it convenient, I will send for you. Or listen to Jesus when He says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Or when He said to the disciples, Whoever will come after Me, 
must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever will save his life shall lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what is a man profited if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? It has been suggested that there are three dangers reflected in those scriptures. One might be called uh, mistaken magnitudes. The job of choosing something good between something good and something better, something more valuable, that will always be part of life. Because you see, there are always those who are tempting us to build a snowman. And sometimes it's easy for us to get that tomorrow's sun will leave it just a blurred puddle. We are much too prone to follow the line of least resistance. There is that old adage, and I'm not really sure sometimes exactly what it means, but I've used it often. We hitch our wagon to a star. Such dreams. But we stop the wagon and we climb down when the road gets rough. Or we turn aside just to enjoy a moment of some tempting little interlude. We have a dream. We see a vision. But before we make it into a reality, we stop and we build a snowman. And time runs out. One man followed Jesus a little way. He he was really interested in Jesus, but he saw a picture of the good life that was spread out before him. So he said to Jesus, I will follow you. But first let me go and bury my father. We misinterpret that verse. It was not an indication that the father was dead. What he was really saying was, let me do my thing until he dies. Let me build my snowman. And Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. Come and follow me now. He wasn't telling the man to neglect his duties as a son. He was saying, choose the most important thing. Don't make the mistake of waiting too long. We are, many of us, snowman builders by nature. I have the attention span of like a snail. And I can get caught up in all kinds of snowman building. J.D. Harvey said, we live in an era of cheap grace. We are preoccupied with the expensive playthings of our technological age. The subtle persuasions of the media have dulled our sense of sin. We wish to be devout, but in our own way. Up to a certain point, and provided that it does not cost us too much. And he is right. We used to preach endlessly in the church that I grew up in about being saved. Have you been saved? Are you saved? And that's a good word. But I'm not sure my grandchildren ever hear that word in their churches. And maybe it's because definitions change But it's an important word, and was when I grew up. 
but we have changed the verbiage. It means repentance and forgiveness. That's what being saved means. I am part of the kingdom of God because I have surrendered my life to Jesus Christ. We're still willing to make converts as long as no one is offended. But we're so busy planning and promoting the church program that we actually miss the high note of adoration when we come to worship. We've become a little community of snowman builders. We can fill our time with things that are good, things that are wonderful, things that are splendid, but at the expense of things that are eternal. Why spend money on what is not bread? and your labor on what does not satisfy. And the second danger I think is probably obvious, so much so that I won't spend much time on it. It is the danger of the convenient. So often, people put off the decision to get saved, to receive Christ to some more convenient time. They don't intend to stand before God without being born again, without being saved, without being ready. But with Felix before Paul, they say, some more convenient season. I got a snowman to build over here. In other words, how many times across 52 years have I looked into the faces of people who were saying to me at the conclusion of a message, not now, pastor. We got friends here. It would be embarrassing today. This isn't the right time. Some more convenient season. I got a snowman to build. And the third danger is the danger of the immediate. It's so easy to forget the ultimate in the pressure of the immediate. We get so absorbed in the present that we forget the long look. There's a verse in Ecclesiastes which reads, better is the end of a thing than the beginning. And the word better there in the Hebrew means more important and more precious. How much better it would have been had our sculptor friend paused for a moment and realized the risk he was running by going out into the yard and building that snowman. And from what I've read, I guess the art world feels like they paid a huge price for that snowman out beside the palace. But I'm guessing the same could be said of us, me. That too many of us spend our labor on that which does not satisfy and our money on that which is not bread. I think back to the Old Testament Again, and I'm reminded of Esau, the brother of Jacob. And he stumbles into our little drama here this morning. And he's hungry and he's famished and he's fatigued. And he comes to his brother's camp. And the odor of something that's cooking in a pot over a campfire begins to drift his way. And he is in a hurry to get to it. And he begs his brother for a big helping of whatever you've got cooking there. And I need it now. Right now. But his cunning brother says, I'll give you all you want. 
for your birthright. And Esau falls for the immediate. And apparently gives no thought to his future when he says, give it to me. If I starve now, what good is a birthright somewhere out there in the future? But before we condemn him, we might do well to make this more personal. Haven't all of us wanted something so badly that we were willing to mortgage our future to satisfy some tantalizing hunger in the present? Or there's Abraham and Lot who came to the parting of their ways. They had large flocks of sheep and seemed to get along quite well. But those who worked the sheep were not doing so well in their interpersonal relationships. There was some kind of anger management issues out there somewhere. And so Abraham, the great soul that he was, he went to Lot and he said, there are the valleys over there and the hills are over here. Lot, you make the decision. You you choose. It's your choice. You go one way and I'll go the other and you make the decision. And Lot looked down at the lush green grass of the valley where the Jordan River ran through all the way down to the Dead Sea. And maybe beyond the Dead Sea, depending on where he was standing, he could see the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah down there at the end. And maybe he already knew the reputation of those cities, that they were wicked cities. But he thought to himself, perhaps, man, it would be nice. It would be nice to live someplace where restaurants are open 24 hours a day. It would be nice to live someplace where I could go into a store and get anything I want. It would be so convenient. Yeah, trouble could come. But that would be a long way off. Let the future take care of itself. I'll eat, drink, and be merry for a while. And again, it's, it's easy to condemn Lot too quickly before we examine our own lives. These three dangers of mistaken magnitude and the danger of the convenient and the danger of the immediate, those things are real. And we need the warning. But we can't stop there because God didn't stop there. And Isaiah didn't stop with the don'ts. In the same breath, he encourages us to listen carefully so that our souls might live and be delighted with the delicacies that the Lord would give us. It's in the second half of that second verse where he says, Listen to me and eat what is good, and your soul will delight in the richest affair. And then in the sixth verse, he says, Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. Let me mess with your mind. That's Christmas. That's the second candle of the Advent wreath. That's the candle representing faith. And here's the problem with our snowman building and how it relates to Advent. Eventually, that snowman that we build, while we're focusing something on something other than the eternal, 
Eventually, that snowman melt, melts and leaves us standing in a muddy mess, maybe up to our knees, wondering how in the world did I get into this? And it's often from those messes that we are the most apt to hear the most disheartening cry, Where are you, God? Why are you doing this to me? We have been busy building our little snowmen while churches and nations and families falter and fall apart. And if we can lean on that second candle, faith, it's in those moments that God shows up. But He does it His own way. You see, we come to Him. Where are you, God? We beg Him for help. But I'm not sure we're ready for it because we want God's help to fit into a nice little mold. To do it the way I like it. And it should be pretty. And it should have a nice little bow on top. Jesus was born eight miles from one of the most majestic palaces Herod would build. But Jesus wasn't born in a palace. Forgive my language if you think it's too crude. He was born in sheep manure. Surrounded by it. Why? Why would the king of the universe come that way? If anyone deserved to make a grand entrance with a fanfare and flags, it was he. Why would he? Here's why. Because Jesus is trying to send us a message. He, did, he didn't come for us in the palaces of our lives. He came in the sheep manure. Because that's where he most often meets us. So if your little snowman has melted and life is a pile, and if you want to have your where are you God question answered, it may very well mean that you have to go to the stable of your own heart to find him. Because he keeps inviting us into the broken places. And the disappointments. Because that's where he is. My spirit cries out and says, Lord, I don't want to meet you there. I want to meet you in the pretty places where the stuff is all fixed. What I'm discovering is this. When my little side trip, my snowman that I've invested some portion of my life in, when it begins melting at my feet and I begin to ask God, where are you? Jesus stands there in the stable of your heart, in the mud and the muck and the manure, and he says, here I am. I'm in it with you. I'm right here. 
And that, my friend, is Advent. That is Christmas. It is Jesus saying in the middle of your greatest disappointment or mine, when you're in it up to your knees, God, where are you? I'm right here. I'm here with you. Right in the middle of it all. I love so much about Christmas. But I have to be reminded again that it is not all angels and shepherds and wise men standing there with glittering crowns and gifts. When I set up our nativity set earlier, early this past week, and I put out all the pieces, I have been tempted all week to remove all of the pieces except the cradle in the middle of that manger where Christ waits for you and I. When we cry out, God, where are you? I'm right here in the middle of it with you. Have you ever noticed how sometimes this season that is to be filled with joy and jingle bells becomes the most stressful time of the year? And families sometimes can't get along and all kinds of travel things fall apart and you have to sometimes stop and ask God, where are you? I'm right here, my son, daughter. I'm right here. So my encouragement to you is that as you you face these weeks that are ahead and you feel that the snowman has melted and you're standing in it up to your knees and you're crying out, God, where are you? Hear Jesus say, here I am. Here I am. I'm in it with you. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, you have given us a potpourri today through this worship experience with children and bells and candles and lights. Father, some who have sat here today have been watching their snowman melt and their heart is heavy. And it is that person for whom I pray today specifically. No one may know what their issues might be. But Father, it is somehow reassuring to hear you say, here I am. I'm right here. And Father, I pray for your anointing and your blessing upon your people today. As we walk through this Advent season and sometimes apply expectations that none could ever meet to the celebration that we hope for, Father, may we take a step back And realize that it is about more. It is about so much more. 
and bring new courage to us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I have, um, let me invite you to stand with me. I want to bless you before we go. But I have been, I have been given the opportunity to share an announcement with you. You have noticed, well, you call me the interim pastor, but I've just been here like every other week, you know. And uh, I have the opportunity to tell you that next Sunday, I won't be speaking. But a candidate that the church board has invited to come and meet us will be here next week. And I encourage all of us to be here for that day. And following the morning service next Sunday, there will be a time of refreshments and a time to ask questions of this candidate. I would, I, I'm not supposed to tell you his name. And I couldn't if I wanted to because I don't know it. <laughs> so I'm as in the dark as you are. And it will be exciting to come here next Sunday and see what God is starting to stir. Because He is saying, I'm right here. I'm in the middle of this with you. Don't give up on me. I'm in it with you. Pray for that unknown candidate. This week, and family, and a church somewhere that will have a guest speaker next Sunday and is probably wondering, why in the world? It's Christmas. Is that good news? The good news? Is it good news? Yeah, it's good news. Wow. So, may the Lord bless you and keep you. And all that other stuff that I just forgot. God bless you. You're dismissed.
shall bow before his throne. Every knee shall bow before his throne. The one who was and is to come, the Lamb of God, the Holy One. Shall bow down, every knee shall bow before this throne, Lord. The one who was and is to come, the Lamb of God, the Holy One, glorify, glorify the Lord. Oh, yeah. Glorify, glorify the Lord. See?